welcome to the next episode of the Cassie Burgos podcast. Today I have my special friend Melissa on and she is going to introduce herself and open us up in prayer. Hi, my name is Melissa Taylor. I'm a friend of Cassie's. I am a very blessed believer and lover of Jesus Christ and um, I want to start with um, calling him into this interview. Yes. So Lord, we just thank you for this um, time, this opportunity um, to sit with you. I pray that um, whatever we discuss today would be uh, edifying to those who are listening and um, pleasing to your heart. I pray that um, that our speech would be um, lovely and kind and good and uh, that you would just give me wisdom and discernment on what to share and when to share and how to share it. And I thank you for Cassie. I thank you for blessing her. Bless her home, Lord. Um, let the Holy Spirit just uh, fill this place with love and kindness and patience and goodness and everything that, that you are. I thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your presence here as we have this conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. So we're going to talk all about Jesus, of course, because that is who you represent, what you stand for. So um, let's talk about early life first. So did you grow up as a Christian in a Christian household? I did not. Um, my The closest I had to religion being um, shared with me was my mother's mother was Catholic, and so they kind of... You know, they, I, I felt forced to go to church for a little bit when I was little, um, but I, um, my my real father took his own life when I was only 18 months old, and my mom was pretty damaged after that, and she ended up um, in a very abusive relationship with my stepfather. So the life I lived in that home mm -hmm. was kept secret. Um, from every other family, you know, every other family right. member. So when we did family stuff with grandma and grandpa, mm -hmm. um, I had to be basically a whole nother person. I had to pretend mm. that what was happening in that household wasn't happening. So, um, yeah, when I went to church with them was, you know, Christmas and Easter. And um, I remember there was some Sunday schools and some, you know, singing a little Jesus Loves You um, songs. I remember a couple of little songs, and I remember feeling completely uh, unloved. Mm. And, um, yeah, it, I didn't get the, you know, the story of, about what God did for me and how, how precious I was to him. I, I remember the abuse was a lot louder. Did you realize that you were unloved when you felt God's love? Is that how you knew that you weren't loved in your home? No, I knew it. Um, I felt it. I felt, I felt like I always knew love was supposed to be different and what I was getting wasn't it. My mom mm. was never there. And when she was there, she was, you know, there was a lot of angry, um, crazy fights, you know, uh, broken glass and blood and, um, the uh, love that I was given from my stepfather was uh, trauma bonding. Mm. That I really, you know, I know what I know of trauma bonding now. 
um, love was withheld from me if I tried to say no or um, have boundaries of my own. Mm -hmm. It was very abusive in every way. So, and that was to be kept secret. That was my mom's life was threatened. You know, it was the abuse started around age three. So mm -hmm. I was I was conditioned really early um, just to do what I was told mm -hmm. and be a good girl. Don't make waves, right? And he was very angry. I was very terrified right. every day. Explain to us, um, so you're not a mom, but this is something that you understand is that as a child, because me and you have had a conversation about this, as a child, when you are taught early on how to not, like you're not taught to set boundaries. You said you didn't, you weren't allowed to say how you felt. Right. How did that affect your relationships as an adult when you had relationships with men? Um, so because I wasn't taught that there were limits and limits were okay for me as a fe especially as a female mm -hmm. and that first male female relationship I was in was very perverted mm. and it, you know, it came from someone who I desperately needed approval and love from, you know, right. a father figure. Um, I wasn't allowed to set limits. I wasn't allowed to say no. So when it came to having romantic relationships with men, mm -hmm. as you know, and, and when I got older, um, same thing. I there, I was incapable of knowing that I could have limits or you know, say you know, say no to uh, sinful behavior or behavior that hurt me. I had no right. idea how to. I know it felt wrong, just right. like when I was a little girl, it felt wrong. Yeah, I knew that wasn't right. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel like I, I felt I continually felt like a victim in it, and I had no choice, and I mm. had no um, power to change things. Right. So, what does that look like being a victim in a romantic relationship with a man? What does a woman feel? It's hard to describe. Um, angry. Very angry. Yeah. Everything that you look for in a partner, um, security, mm -hmm. um, provision, love, mm -hmm. um, kindness, um, all these things like you know, you know, even when you're not taught, you know, mm -hmm. that, you feel it like you should be getting these things, right? And nothing you can do can make them give that to you, you know, nothing like, you know, you can manipulate, you can, you know, do all the Bake, nice things, clean, yeah. make deals, walk yeah. on eggshells, you know, right. be so subservient and, right. and give until, you know, you're broken. Mm -hmm. Um, and you never, those needs are never met that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, it makes you feel pretty insane <laughs> and it's funny you say insane yeah powerless yeah. um I feel like my mom was a victim in the marriage with my father and of course they both made mistakes but I know that she felt um powerless mm -hmm. and he consistently made her feel powerless and threatened her and held stuff against her to where she didn't feel like she was worthy of, of anything right. and so I grow, grew up in that environment where my mom my mom always took us and left she left all the time I mean they were back and forth I'm not kidding, maybe a hundred times. And my mom could never break free. She just always felt felt so trapped. And it, it was hard to watch that. It's like, 
I think as a child and even now sometimes I still don't understand like I still don't understand how she could go through so much and like how how do you even endure all that pain you know or why 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 do you endure that pain and I don't I think it's individual for everyone but I do think um my mom was very angry and not that she she didn't want to be that way you know what I mean and it's sad because I do now see like not in a bad way. She doesn't say I'm a victim, but I can see how she was the victim of that. And I didn't understand as a child. I always thought like, just leave them, like just leave and never come back. And, but it's almost like you're under a spell of some sort and it's very evil. Yeah. It's a very evil. The trauma bond. Um, the, there's, there's an addiction that basically is developed. Right. I needed something from them, mm. even though I, I was, and it, creates that non-stop de- de- you're deprived yes of, you know something Empty. so they give a little love yes and meet it you know they meet it again with a yes boost, but exactly um it, they go hand in hand you know right. i need what you give to me so i'm willing to take the abuse and then right. at the same time you don't believe you can do any better you don't believe that yeah. there's anything else that's what they tell you that's what men say that was your first you know introduction to what love looked like right that you know something right in your past and you're used to that like it's normal it's normal it was normal the 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 way I felt in my marriages was normal because that was modeled for me yes as a little girl right that pain that I watched my mom go through mm-hmm. the pain I felt mm-hmm. and it was normal so that's what you know let's touch on the relationship with your mom um did you have resentment towards her because of how your stepfather treated you? And did you feel like she didn't protect you? Oh, of course I did. Um, I think it's a miracle we got out of that house when I was 10 years old. Because mm. um, her, like your mom, she left a couple of times too. Yeah. And I knew, I was terrified because every time she left, she wasn't allowed She wasn't allowed to bring me. But that last time she left, she took me and I knew wow. that this was it. She took me, you know. She always yeah. came back. If I was there, she would always come back. Of so course. I knew, you know, him not letting her take me meant she had to come back. But right. Um, yeah. When I got older, well, first of all, um, keeping it a secret made me, you know, very. I probably had some personality disorders. <laughs> um, very. Uh, you know, decompartmentalized and, right. and um, disassociated from yes. my identity in, in a lot of ways. Denial is, you know, it's... It's a hell of a drug. I mean, it's good. It, mm-hmm. it helps you survive situations you yes. might not normally survive, mm-hmm. but it's not meant for you to live that way. So, right. Um, when I became a, a adolescent is probably when I remember feeling the rage against my mom um, mm. and... I, because I blocked out so many of the abuse, so much abusive memories. Right. I, you know, you can completely convince yourself that didn't happen. Yeah. You just got to tell yourself over and over again. But right. your nervous system never forgets. Like it's still. That's in right. Your soul don't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I blocked all of it out. My mom told me I was probably 15, and I was already. I was a blackout drunk at 13. My mom told me I think when I was 15 that he he was dead. Like somebody told her that he died. And that's when they came flooding back. Like, mm. my 
my soul knew I was safe. He couldn't kill her. So all of a sudden, right. it could, I could remember, and it's just came coming. It just started, but they would hit me at times, and I was already, you know, masking everything and yeah. feeding myself drugs and alcohol or whatever. And my mom was still, you know, battling her addiction. And oh, I took oh, I took it out on her. There was fist fights. It was not pretty. I right. it was it was not pretty. Um, and uh, it took me a long time. It, you know, I I released her. I, I no longer blame her for any of it, but it's hard to, when you, you know, you get stuck in that mindset of an abused three-year-old too, because that abused three-year-old never got healed. So she's still, in, right. she's still in there. Mm -hmm. So I could go back to that place mm -hmm. any moment and feel those emotions without right. realizing that's what was happening. That's that trauma response. And it's right? debilitating. It just, and it would be, and mm -hmm. I would, I would just be flooded with rage mm -hmm. and it would all be focused on her because how could you not have known you left me with this this monster you know what I mean like that those were the that's the thinking of that little girl and um but the truth is you know she was in her own trauma and she probably didn't want you know even if she might have had some kind of idea because of the kind of character that he had right you can denial's a, a a thing, you know. It's a mm -hmm. real powerful thing that you know. I'm sure she had some too, and didn't want to, you know, at least want needed to believe her kid was okay, right? And for her to survive, for her to stay, for yeah. her to survive, for her because yeah. she needed help. You know, a single mom like I don't think she thought she could handle it. You know, by yeah. herself alone. And I feel like a lot of women. That's their story. Yeah. I know that I resented my mom for not leaving my dad as much as I loved my dad and I had like an undying loyalty to him and that was all a manipulation and, and that part of it. My loyalty to my dad was because he conditioned me from a child to have his side, right? Because my parents were always splitting up. But I remember really resenting my mom as a teenager, especially because I was so disappointed that she wouldn't just leave him and stay away. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to leave him so bad and just stay away. Cause I wanted her and my sister to be okay. And, and it it's hard. I still look back and I still have kind of unresolved hurts because our whole lives could have been different. Had we not been exposed to, to all that trauma, you know? And so, but it's sad that the mom gets, you know, the brunt of it when it, when it's not even her actions, but we feel like we weren't protected, you know? So I have a hard time with that. You know, I think as a mom, you start reflecting and, and wondering, um, why didn't you just just leave? Well, and it's not that easy though. It's it's no. not it's not that easy no. at all. I can totally see the enemy's hand in all of that. Yes. So, um, mm -hmm. Her trauma. Yes. And how my step my stepfather was three years older than her. Oh she my was, gosh. She was beautiful. This wow. guy was hideous. Like he was. She was way out of his league, but he, she was so broken mm -hmm. by my father's um, suicide that she, she was so beaten down and so yeah. broken and she didn't have that rock solid foundation yeah. that relationship with Christ that she needed you know um, her mom was a, an abusive alcoholic the, mm. the one link to God that she had through her Catholic you know relatives right. wasn't it wasn't it right. wasn't you know true religion mm -hmm. that saves that you know that exactly. gives you that um, that steady, you know, uh, guide when mm -hmm. 
the world falls apart when mm-hmm. your husband loses his mind and takes right. his own life. Like right. you're stuck with this, you know, little baby and you're traumatized. Like, you know, she didn't have that. So she ends up, ends up with a coke dealer, a criminal and, a, right. you know, a, someone who promises to, I'll take care of everything. The sun star work. the moon. Yeah. The you moon, yeah. work. You can of get course. high. Manipulation. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's mm-hmm. 19 for crying out loud. She's mm-hmm. 19 years old. And she's beautiful so and she's young. She's beautiful mm-hmm. and young. So she partied. She worked. Mm-hmm. Forced herself to believe her kid was okay. At least her kid yep. was okay. Yep. You know, and I've painted a smile on. Right. I was good at painting on a smile. So I didn't want my mom to have it even worse of a time. Right. And, right. Um, yeah, so you know the enemy's hand was in there trying to you know keep keep you stuck, keep, keeping us stuck. He likes but you don't realize that, like as a per, you know, like I looked at my my mom so differently now than I did before because it's like after you go through some of your own adult grown up stuff and then you do your own recovery work, you start to realize that they literally did the very best they could right. with what they had. What they had. With what they had, because they probably have so much baggage and trauma and all their own stuff that they went through that. They don't want to tell their, even their adult children, they don't want them to know what everything. A, what a blessing that we have Christ to, to, to hold us, yes. to, to cling to today mm-hmm. because our children get to, get to live freer because of that. Exactly. Right? Breaking those generational curses. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What has your recovery journey been like? When did that start for you? So, well, I got saved in 2013 um, when my friend who was selling me dope at the time, mm-hmm. took me to church in Leroy, California. I um, walked into gravity and didn't want to be there. Um, <laughs> you know, every time, like I was, I was angry. I remember, I remember the, the pastors, I, I visited churches when I lived in Tennessee. And I, now that I look back, God was calling on, he was talking to me. He was, he was seeking me the whole time. I actually right. had, um, a supernatural encounter with him when I was five and um, sure. in, in abuse. So I wouldn't know. I started surrendering, fully surrendering to him in 2019 mm-hmm. after I had a, a very traumatic neck surgery. And God showed me what happened when I was five years old and how that you know, I wasn't crazy. So, you know, I told you I blocked out a lot of memories, right? When I was Mm -hmm. young and I was being abused from three to 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm five years old and, um, I, I would take solace out. I'm I'm an only child. Um, my step, I'm stuck with my stepfather Mm -hmm. most of the day. Um, so staying out of sight, out of mind is the safe place to be. So I'd right. be out in the field. I'd be out. I, I like to talk to bugs. I like nature. I'm mm-hmm. one of those weird kids, you know, out there talking to bugs. <laughs> and so I'm out there in the grass one day and, um, I, this memory had never, never left me. So I'm standing there in the grass. I'm not asleep. I'm not laying down, not taking a nap. I'm like standing there talking to trees, bugs, whatever. And next thing you know, I'm like thousands of feet up in the sky I am in the air not moving just there mm-hmm. and I'm like exhilarated I'm like I'm so excited I'm like oh my gosh look at this guy you know like I'm freaking out <laughs> so excited you know I'm five this is amazing and then I start thinking I remember this the the quick change in my thinking because it must have been a couple of seconds I wasn't right. there that long but I went from exhilarated 
to how am I up here? How do I get down? What's holding me here? Oh my gosh. And so before I can be filled with terror, I'm back safe on the ground again. And I couldn't reckon with what just happened. Like what, what, you know, so Mm -hmm. I end up convincing myself that had to have been my imagination. I just can't, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. Yeah, right. My whole life always wondered. I didn't tell anybody about it. Right. I, 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 kept, I kept secrets really well. That was the coolest thing that's ever happened to me, but I didn't know if that really happened or not, right? right. I feel mm-hmm. crazy anyways. I'm five years old and I got all kinds of stuff going on. Way right. too many emotions that I can deal with. Mm-hmm. So I end up, you know, just like kind of shoving that down. But it was always there. Like, what the heck was that? Right? Yeah, yeah. So, 2013, I meet Jesus. Um, I get, uh, I end up in another abusive marriage with um, someone who's on drugs and can't, you know, ever stay sober for more than six months. Um, but I'm a really good codependent, so I, <laughs> I toughen it out. You know, I tough it out. I work. I work. I work. I take care of everything. I'm, you know, I'm, I clean up all the messes. But inside, I'm still, I still got so much rage. I have no peace. And um, all my, you know, all my hope is in other people. Mm. You know, I need you to love me. And that, Mm. you know, it it was never, I was never surrendered. So I I get injured in 2018. Best thing that ever happened to me. Worst pain of my life. I wanted to die. All of a sudden, I'm suicidal again. Mm. And it starts, it starts revealing my patterns to me. Um, the abusive relationships, wanting to die. I was suicidal my whole life. Mm. I, I've been wanting to die my whole life. When that happened, when I got, you know, that thing where I was in the air, at that time I had been going to sleep at night asking. I knew there was something listening to me, right? It had to be God. I didn't know, you know, if it, I, but the God that was talked to me, you know, in, in a little bit in church, but I was asking if, if, you just had somebody crawl through my window and murder me at night, I wouldn't have to wake up and be afraid tomorrow. So I was praying for death at five years old. Mm. And when those prayers didn't get answered, you know, my, my, that, that lie was kind of planted that, you know, he's not listening. He's not going to rescue you. He's not there. You know, this is, this is what you're made for. This is your life. And so I kind of, you know, accepted that. But 2018 came, I'm injured, I'm wanting to die again. The Holy Spirit's just doing a work in me. And it takes a year and a half to finally get my surgery. And the end of 2019, I am just, I've, I've been at home now since 2018. And I really can't not not face the truth of what my life is. I can't avoid mm. it anymore. I'm flat on my back, unable to do anything, and my husband is just getting worse and worse. He's so abusive to me, not physically, but in the ways that hurts way more. You know, Mental, I would be slapped emotional. in the face and treated the way I was treated. It right. was horrible. I needed help. I needed him to wash my hair, and the amount of hatred that spewed from him to me was just crushing. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't handle it. So I'm, I'm crying out to God. I start wailing like what when the bible talks about wailing and lamenting this is what it was i never even knew i could make these kind of noises but i was pouring it out all my emotions all my heart all my distress 
And I realized I had to let go of the denial. When I started letting go of the denial, he just started flooding, flooding me with his love, with his comfort, showing me things, telling me things. Um, I developed this intimacy with him. Uh, it wasn't instant, but it was, you know, a process that ha started happening from 20, into 2019 to into 2020, 2021. God was delivering me. He delivered me from the denial that had to go first. And then he started teaching me. Um, I, I was also attending Al-Anon. I was going, um, I was doing a, an Al-Anon program, working my 12 steps in Al-Anon, learning how to let go of this man and not, you know, keep trying to hold on and control because God was telling me to let go. And I don't let go. <laughs> I don't let go well. So letting go of him was, you know, a thing. And then... Um, in 2020, I was laying in bed and I think this was, he left in September, 2020. So I think, I think it was shortly before, um, my husband left, but I knew he was leaving. Like God was preparing me. He was preparing me. Right. He was teaching me to cling to him mm. and how to, he was teaching me how to worship him. He was teaching me how to read his word out loud over myself. Um, I was like the Psalms. I just kept over and over again I was just uh, reciting the psalms to myself and um, I'm laying in bed one day and I didn't audibly hear him tell me but I felt the Holy Spirit tell me ask me and I knew what he wanted me to ask him he wanted me to ask him about that one memory and so I, it was like I grabbed it like you know like you have the thought bubble and you mm -hmm. grab it that's kind of what I did so I was like and I, t I gave it to God, like I told God, what was this? And I immediately saw a picture, you know, a vision in my mind, and I heard him speak audibly, and I saw my little tiny four or five-year-old body in his hand in the sky, and I heard, I lifted you. And I knew that's exactly what I needed to know in that moment, because I was terrified. I was terrified I wasn't going to be able to... to take care of myself you know the man that I needed to pay the bills to help me physically heal like all this I mean he wasn't helping very much anyways but right. I felt like I needed him and he was leaving me and I knew at this moment I could trust God I could trust him because he was there he was in the desperate times where I wanted I wanted to be helped so bad I needed rescue so bad he was there he was there then and I, I needed to know now that he was there and I was still in his hand and he showed me that he lifted me. He lifted me then and he'll lift me now, you know. And so, and then he gave me a bunch of different scriptures, you know, about how, you know, his uh, righteous hand upholds me and just so many more scriptures That's to beautiful. confirm the fact that I could trust in him. And then he gave me um, Isaiah 43.1, Fear not, for I am with you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And my sister like made this pretty little thing to put on my wall. It's still on my wall. And it was the first scripture that I would read out loud every morning. And as soon as I would open my eyes, no matter how much doom tried to come and sit on my chest and steal my breath away, I would read that out loud and know that God was lifting me. And he would lift me. He wasn't going to leave me there. He didn't leave me there in that horrible house with that horrible man. You know, he didn't leave me in that. So he's not going to leave me now. And I was like, that 
that that's that's all I need. That's all I need. And it's still I can picture it right now and you know, how can I not trust that? How can I not trust a God that lifts a little girl who thinks she's all alone and just wants to mm. die? Nobody cares. Nobody even knows the depth of her pain at that time and God knew, he saw me. You know that story in Hate when he tells Hagar, you know, that he sees her. That's that's me. Like he saw me. He right. saw me. He saw my pain. He knew the depth of the um, the deliverance that I needed, and he started delivering me from so much bondage after that. I feel like it confirms just him reminding you that he was always there too. Yeah, yeah. he was. He was always there. Solidified that. Right. That's beautiful. Nobody can take that from me. No, that's yours. That's special. <laughs> What uh, what do you do to pursue relationship with God? What does that look like for someone who doesn't understand what that means? So I still do what he um, told me to do when I started lamenting and crying out. I, uh, I found um, it pleasing to God that I do that. I lament. I pour out my sorrow. I pour out everything that I have, every emotion that I have. Even, you know, bad, good, indifferent, all the emotions that I feel, um, it pleases him to get brought into that. Right. You know, the realm of my emotions Mm -hmm. is something he wants to reign. Mm -hmm. So I pour those out to him. Um, I read his word out loud. There's more power when I speak it out of my mouth. Mm. Um, I speak it with faith and trust. You know, I may not even understand the words that I'm speaking. Right. I may not even like consciously believe it but I say it from a place of I know my God is not a liar I right. know my God's word is true and so I speak it out loud and um, I worship I love ministering to God's heart and I realized that that was my purpose that's my purpose That's oh it's so is your purpose <laughs> that's, that's the only reason we're here is to, to worship him he created us to minister to his heart because Mm. he loves us so much us pouring that back out to him and living our lives to bring him glory that's enough right that's enough for me so and I don't do any of this these things perfectly I'm still very flawed and I still got a bunch of you know stuff that he's working out and I'm like a layer you know onions layers there's a layer oh there's more stuff there and there's more layers coming up but um, it's a it's a really good process to continue like he's walking me through my healing and right. it's amazing I get to share that now with people and then I give back the the service um, you know he doesn't rescue us from the fire for us not to turn around and help the next guy who's That's in right. the same fire that we just got you know rescued from. rescued from well you live that out you know I'll never forget being in a room with you for the first time with the other women and you, you stand out and not because you are loud or obnoxious or anything like that, but it's your wisdom that you've worked so hard for and you've always stood out for that. I love hearing you talk. It puts me in a trance. I'm just like, yes, I want you to keep talking. You have a beautiful way with words and it, it is a beautiful gift. And we're also connected because we have the same birthday, just have to say. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, I think... Um, 
I think everybody's walk is different, but you have been so thorough in your recovery. You're like digging into all the spaces and that is something I know. And I am too. And I still can't seem to get there. I can't get into all those, those corners of things. How do you do it? What do you recommend for women who are scared to go through that process? Mm -hmm. It's scary. It's opening up all these doors and, Oh, I remember how scary it was. He had to show me that in his hand right I would let go I would let Mm. go of it because I was terrified I knew I would have to look at the truth of what happened to me and how would I process that Mm. how am I how am I going to handle those emotions right I can tell you with 100% confidence that God is so gentle in the process he's not going to like flood it all in you like you're gonna feel it all at once he's not he's not gonna do that and he's done miraculous things with some of these memories he's when the bible talks about him healing brokenhearted and binding up their wounds there are traumatic memories memories of horrific sexual abuse that i can't even i can't i can't go there anymore it's gone. Jesus has completely he covered absorbed it. it. He he let me see what I needed to see. He mm-hmm. let me walk out the healing mm-hmm. and reveal to me the lies that was planting in planted in me in that moment about him. Mm-hmm. Told me the truth and he absorbed it into himself. I can't I can't feel that pain anymore. It's gone. God can bind up those wounds. All we got to do is trust. And mm. it it's scary. It's yeah, scary because it's taking a risk. It's taking a risk. And I don't know what it looks like on the other side. I tell you what, what right. it looks like on the other side is freedom. Yes. Nothing but freedom. And that that's not my identity anymore. Right. It's something that happened that I lived through. Mm-hmm. But God has changed my identity in that. I'm not that. I'm not that little girl. And guess what? I don't have those moments anymore where that little girl comes back out at me. In moments where I can't control and that rage, the rage is gone. I got right. delivered. I got delivered from rage. I got delivered from a suicidal spirit. I got delivered mm. from uh, sexual immorality and and uh, lust. And I mean, so much that was, you know, planted in me in this faulty um, identity that I had through the trauma. It's, I'm, I'm free from a mm. lot. There's still more. I'm sure he's freeing right. me from so much more still, but so much just being willing is just the willingness mm-hmm. i don't have to do it i just you have to show be willing up and mm-hmm. trust him that's it it's really we when we think about it it, it complicate you know I, I gotta know what it looks like and that's the scary part is because we don't know what it looks like to actually yeah deal with these things yes. to actually open these doors and let go of the denial and let go you know because sometimes yeah you might be a little messy mm-hmm. it might be you know me crying uncontrollably for a day or so but man the freedom it's worth it it's worth it my neighbors might think i'm crazy i don't know hey that's they, okay they heard me wail for probably a couple of months <laughs> but oh. I, i'm free they see me now and they're right. like what is up with that like i have nothing there's a but difference joy. i right. have joy I, I and people tell me it's not me i'm not oh like, yeah you I feel radiate, it but mm-hmm. people are like you just have this yes you do joy about you it's very much and a I peace can't, i can't even fake misery <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't have it anymore <laughs> I live my life in misery all this whole time. And I'm time sure you never thought you'd get to this place. Never. never. It's amazing. So why, how can I, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't want to deny that of anybody else. And I had to look at the hard stuff. I had to be willing to look at the hard stuff. I don't even have to go back to every single traumatic event. Right. That God's going to bring up the thing. ones that have to be dealt right. with, right? God will do what he needs in his to timing. do in it. Is mm-hmm. in his timing. Mm-hmm. And he'll bring it up when... We're ready. He knows. He knows what we can yeah. handle. There's, you know? I have like, I have um, like a couple like big, big traumas that happened in my childhood. Yeah. There's a lot of little ones, but it's like the big ones were um, sexual abuse, like mm-hmm. a rape that happened yeah. that was yeah. really bad. Um, and then there was a really bad car accident. And they're like two that I, they're so undealt with. It's like they still disturb me. And it was so yeah. many years ago. And it's like. I asked God, what, why? Why does that still feel so heavy? Does it, does it, is it supposed to feel heavy or is there supposed to be a freedom for that? Have you, do you feel like those big, cause you know personally what your big trauma moments were and we all have them when we look back. Do you feel like some of them sat longer than others cause God had to do a work within you with them? Was there something that needed to be done? What's your perspective on that? Hmm. I don't know. I know the, the Holy Spirit is pretty brilliant in knowing what needs to be dealt with and when. Mm-hmm. And I really can't even explain on, because it's all His wisdom. I don't. It's His wisdom and His right. power. Um, I know none of mine were uh, in any real order. Exactly. And um, that's what I want people because, to hear. That's not going to be in a was, special order. No, and and I don't. Like there's not really much of a category, like you said. Yeah. Really bad. Right. Mine. I I had you know a consistent rape. Yes. And, um, exactly. And all the emotional and mental abuse that came, you know, was right. just all around it for um, years. Years. Yeah. For years. Yeah. That was my upbringing. That was yes. you know um, my conditioning. So it all needed to be dealt with in mm-hmm. a very gentle and strategic God strategic. He's mm-hmm. very strategic. He's not, he doesn't do anything acts, you know, it's nothing's an accident. He's very, um, it's very personal. Mm-hmm. He's very strategic and he knows exactly how, um, to walk you through exactly. this specific. It, all it takes is our willingness and our submission, our surrender, okay, I want you in this place. Right. Come show me what needs to be dealt with in this place mm, so I can be in free that pain. from it. Mm-hmm. He wants to free us from the pain. He wants right. to free us from all the lies because that's what it is. It's rooted lies about our identity mm. and about who God is in these traumatic moments that he wants to free us from. Do we hold on to our traumas because that's the only identity we probably have ever known? I I do uh, identify with that. Yeah, yeah there me was, too. There was a part of me that was afraid to let him have it because who who am I? Yes. <laughs> Bobby called me out actually and told me, I think you haven't dealt with all those traumas because that's like all you like all you know. Right. Because you don't know what your personality is actually going to be when you're right. free from that. Yes. And that's, I have no idea. I don't know this person who sits in front of me. Now. Right. I don't God know created that he and did that. totally made me new. Like the personality I had a few years ago that's not who's sitting here right now. Right. I only know this person. So, so. much better though. It's so much better. <laughs> like people like me a whole lot. I like me a whole lot. I don't you like you, right. I don't look in the mirror anymore and, and I'm like, think you hate, hate yourself. Chick, you know, like yeah. she deserved all that crap. You know, right. like that's how I felt about me. I was right. so self-loathing and I'm free from that. Don't I a lot of life. women hate themselves, have self-hatred? 
Doesn't that seem to be a very common thing that women have hatred towards themselves? I think that is a common thing the enemy wants to plant in women. I think he mm. really, you know, I think there's a place in the Bible where he talks about the seed of the woman being an en- enmity with mm. Satan. Mm. So really? I need to see that. There's a special hatred. From we, Satan. We he hates women. Life into the yes. world and he hates life. Yes. He hates God's creation, and we are we take part in it. We're co-laborers in creation. So right. I think he has special hatred toward the woman. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I truly do. I had something else. Oh, um, suicidal ideology and suicidal thoughts and all that. Um, where do you think that truly stems from? What is that within, within someone who struggles with that? I don't know. Um, I believe mine was completely demonic. Mm. Um, I, my father gave himself over to that. Yeah. At 27 years old, he took his own life, um, in a very, you know, uh, violent way. Like, really? uh, he held the whole family hostage for 14 hours and made it all like, you know, like, I think he was trying to manipulate my mom and, you know, your mom he, was held hostage. My mom, my whole, my mom's all family, including two infants. I was there, I was there. And then, um, it was like 14 hours, a whole thing where he was like a madman with a gun for 14 hours. And you know, the house was surrounded by SWAT team, like the whole thing. It was a whole thing. I have the newspaper clippings and everything. Oh and 27, you know, he was very broken, and I think, uh, you know, he gave in to that lie that he had no other choice, you know, took that way out, which is never God's plan. Never. And um, that gave permission for me to be tormented with that demon, I, I believe. Yeah. I believe it was, because um, I remember doing things and... I, don't, I didn't want to die. Right? Yes. I just, mm-hmm. I, but yep. I was convinced. I remember being convinced at a very, very young age that the only peace I would have was in death. Yes. So I, what I wanted was peace. Yes. What I wanted was to go home. Right. So I think the, you know, the enemy works real hard to convince us that the only way to do that is to do something that he knows is, you know, will break God's heart. Mm. And... And that's the only way we can't like go back. We can't go back. From we can't that. go back. You can't repent from that. You're that's already, the only you're thing gone. you can't get redemption from, in my opinion. I, I feel like I it can be know. redeemed I from don't anything. Know what happens, in, you know, after that? But mm-hmm. um, you know, God knows, and I, I'm, you know, I don't expect to see my dad in heaven. That you know, that's mm. a sad. That's a sad thing. But you know, it is between him and God. I don't that's know right. for mm-hmm. sure. But um, I know that that was not the last time I remember being tormented with suicidal thoughts was when I was hurt. Um, it was 2018, maybe early 2019. And my, my husband was very emotionally and mentally abusive toward me. Mm -hmm. I was having constant pain because I had hurt my neck. And so Mm -hmm. I had just these nerve pains throughout my face, my neck, my head. Like I couldn't even think or have a conversation with someone. It was just constant like ice picks through my eye. It was crazy. Um, And I couldn't really do a whole lot. So I I remember sitting in my chair and my husband would be gone for 12 hours a day. Was he working? And he was working. Okay. And I would want to go make myself something to eat. And I knew there there was something else 
if I went in there, I was going to hurt myself. So, it, but it wasn't my thought. It wasn't my idea. Right. Which it was planted by then. Gave me an idea that there was something else mm-hmm. trying to manipulate me mm-hmm. to hurt myself, and it was not my idea. Mm. Um, so I believe that was com- it was completely demonic, and mm-hmm. God delivered me from that. It, you know, I don't. But you truly believe it was because you you just wanted peace. It had nothing to do with you actually wanting to die. You wanted peace in your heart and soul. Yeah, when I was younger, I remember specifically just wanting peace. Yeah. And wanting, um, you know, I wanted the abuse to stop. I wanted yes. peace. I wanted safety. And I, and I remember thinking that that was the only way. But I wasn't wanting to hurt myself. I was exactly. praying that... God would let somebody murder me. Right, just like, get you handle that, that yeah. That was my logic. You Isn't know, it sad when you look back and think, like, I was in such a dark place that that's how I felt, God, you know? God revealed to me how broken that, that hurt his heart. Mm-hmm. And he even, he, he even saw that, like, I was being manipulated into believing lies about him in that mm. moment. Because it wasn't rescuing me. In my yes. eyes, you're not answering my prayers, you must not be real. Exactly. So I was buying yes. into the enemy's lie. yes. That you're not rescuing me. I had no idea what he did with his son and all that. I was, you know, right. and I wasn't getting that taught that regularly. Right. So yeah, it was it was heart, you know, it was heartbreaking to God. It broke his heart that I believed that way about exactly. Him. That's why he lifted me. Exactly. <laughs> so that in my thirties, I would know that I, he was always there. He right. was there. Do you, um, as part of your recovery journey, do you believe in therapy? I do. Um, I have a friend who sits next to me right now who's one of my godly counsel. Um, mm. And I, I actually started when my mom passed away in 2016. Um, it was two months before I married my last husband. And I, I was not someone who knew how to grieve I, I mm. you know I didn't even know how to process any emotion because I wasn't right. allowed to feel right, right. so um, not letting myself have any emotions um, meant that I was pretty explosive and, and the emotions that would come out would be rage mm. and you know anger and then just com- just like buckling sorrow I would just be a puddle on the ground and not be able to do anything and so um anger rage and depression seemed to be a pattern you know because right. i didn't i didn't know how to process any real emotion so um i started seeing someone my pastor um, referred me to his aunt um for grief counseling i started mm. seeing her for grief counseling and it really i mean it was a game changer um she's a, a woman of god you know she wasn't someone who was going to give give me pills, right. right? And not that I didn't go to, I did go to uh, see uh, see help several times throughout my life because I was always battling crazy, right? Always. Right. So um, I went to twelve twelve California. I don't know how many times I went to the crisis center. I don't know how many times, and I mm. had been on um, antidepressants and anti anxiety meds here and there. Did they help? Um, maybe they might have masked some stuff for a little like bit. Like helped you survive for a while. For a little yeah. bit. But it was always circumstantial stuff that I was going through too. Yes. I would be in an abusive relationship and it would bring up all kinds of stuff 
that I didn't right. know how to process, so mm-hmm. I'd become a maniac for a mm-hmm. while, and then, you know, I'd get out of that relationship, or that job would end, whatever it was that was causing me distress, and and I unhealed trauma would, right. you know, come up, but yeah, no, it never, it never led me to deal with the roots of what needed to be exactly. dealt with. It was just a, you know, it was a masquerade a of a band-aid, mm-hmm. yeah, it never really led me to any kind of freedom mm-hmm. um, or healing so when I started going to my um, grief therapy one of the most helpful things she told me to do was let myself grieve like my mom just died like I probably started seeing her two months after my mom died and I'm like I'm I'm someone who hides in the shower to cry yeah right and yeah I'm not okay with um, having emotions mm. because that little girl's still stuffed down inside exactly. in, in a cage and I won't let her out, right? right. That's basically what I, I did. Yeah. And um, so I only break down and cry in the shower or I'll come out as a raging maniac and right. want to kill somebody. Like, right. Um, so that's the only time I let myself show emotion and she told me, you know, you need to give yourself permission to grieve and mm. cry cry. And that was the most freeing thing. Like, um, you know, when our hearts are hardened and you don't let yourself feel emotion, we're made to feel it. Yes, we are. We're made to release it. Mm. And um, that, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wailing, I'm one of those wailing I'm women. I'm a wailing woman. It, it, it was kept, you know, locked up in me for so many years. But Linda telling me that, you know, it gave me permission to greet like my mom died. You're allowed I, to be I sad and cry. cry. Yeah, I need to right. Grieve. And when I started doing that, I mean, God showed up. He comforted me in amazing ways, and it just led from one thing to another. To where she started walking me through the trauma stuff. Mm. She, she saw. She met with me and my ex, my you know mm. then husband, who um, you know we kind of tried for a minute, and it would just like I almost beat him up right in front of her. She told me I'm a, I'm a mandated reporter. Like you, you she can't warned just you. punch him and and me not. Like I'm gonna have to call somebody. You can't be doing that. And I'm like, I don't even know what happened. Like he said that stuff, and I he want I wanted to kill him, or I wanted him to punch me or something. I don't know, but um, it was terrible. <laughs> and so she saw, you know, she saw all the crazy. She saw, and then I started, you know, just opening all of it. You know, as God was removing the denial from me, I started pouring it all out and. She gave me literature that, I mean, the Holy Spirit just used her to open me up and help mm. me deal with the, I mean, the the ramifications of sexual abuse. Is, it's really deep stuff, you know, it really um, messes with the soul and your identity. So, so many people have gone through sexual yeah. abuse. Yeah, it's... It's way more common than it should be. It's crazy so, how many women you get, well, men right. too. I'm very right. proud of men for stepping yeah. up and, and talking about yeah. it now because it needs to be talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I had something else I wanted to ask you. Oh, codependency. Obviously, we have to talk about that. Yeah. Um, what, what people, you know, they don't understand what that word means. Mm-hmm. You know how to describe codependency. So what, what does that mean? Give examples, you know, what does it look like in a marriage or with mom and a mom and dad daughter relationship so my mom was my first codependent relationship and um the the best way i've heard it described that Mm -hmm. makes sense to me um because i am an al-anoner and i'm an adult what is Um, al-anon for people that don't know is the program it's a 12-step program for you 
and by you I mean the person who is in a relationship with someone who is uh, ravaged by drugs and alcohol and mm. any any addiction um, I'm an adult child of an addict alcoholic mm. and so I was raised in addiction I was trained up in um, you know you grow up real quick Yes, you sure do. And how to take on responsibilities that are not yours, and that just that travels into every single aspect of your life. Hmm. Um, it was my fault. It was always my fault. What she did was always about me. Because when mm. you're a kid, you're super like it's all about you. Of course, you know, you're immature. Yeah. It's all yes. about you. Um, mom's in bed for three days. You don't understand. She's coming down off of whatever drugs she is. Right. Whatever party she just went yes, to. Whatever. Exactly. You, all you know is she wants nothing to do with you. She wants you out of her hair. Mm. So you try to clean up the house. Like you, you do everything to try to be, you know, to get this love and this bonding and the stuff that you need as a growing child. Right. It's just all conformed around the addiction, the disease, mm. and it makes you very sick. And so the way Al-Anon describes it as, okay, the alcoholic is addicted to the alcohol, the Al-Anoner is a, the, or codependent mm-hmm. or enabler, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, mm-hmm. is addicted to the person, yeah. the alcoholic, the right. addict. I, my mom was my life. She, you know, um, that's all you have as a way, child. The only way I could get away from her, the only way I could break free from her anyway was to get married. Mm. And I married horrible addictive or addicted you know abusive men of right. course because that you know that's the only pattern I could yeah. you know, feel comfortable in um sadly but I that's how I had to detach from her because I didn't have any coping skills mm. and I you know that was she was my life and so um I took that into every other relationship even my friendships when I grew up because I, I'm I'm a very I was a very lonely kid Right. I was the only child surrounded by, you know, That's so uh, hard. very dysfunctional adults yeah. who treated me like an adult, mm. but wanted me to the F, F out of their way you right. know, at the same time. Totally um, confusing. Very confusing. So um, I would clean, you know, I would meet other children in the same situations, very broken, and their their parents were, you know, divorced, abused, you know, alcoholics, whatever. And we would cling to it. They would move in with me. I remember my best friends, um, not of course, not when we were with my stepdad, but after that, my mom right. was, I was she was a single mom. Like I would have best friends instantly. Mm. It would be like instant bonding. Yeah, and it wasn't healthy bonding. It right. was. Codependent bonding. Yes. I need you to live now because I will live through you, and if I can mm-hmm. make you happy, then I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And that, that felt that safe is, for you. That is a source of safety. It's yes. basically clinging to another human being for life, right? Because I don't have Jesus. I don't right. have the Lord to cling to for my life. Yes, which is where it's supposed to come from. Right. I'm trying to get it and suck it out of another human being, which is never sufficient, right? right. So. And it always ends very badly. Yeah, <laughs> it's never good. There's always hurt feelings, and, yeah. and it's never good enough. You know, yeah, it's it's a very unhealthy it's destructive. Dynamic. People very don't destructive. understand what that means. I'll tell someone, oh yeah you're a codependent I'll just drop it you know because like you just gotta tell them like they gotta be called out and they have no clue what that means and I'm like just go re- oh me neither I did I not know that my codependent relationship was with my father and it still lives on it's like well you know I was leading a codependency group at um celebrate recovery and it's like I'm leading this group and I have my father who's an addict and I'm like 
so obviously codependent on like a whole other level. Like it's not even normal how much I protect him. Like he's my child. I I still to this day, I feel like this is my child that I need to protect. Mm -hmm. And it's the hardest relationship to set a boundary with, especially if that person continuously relies on you and loves you. And it is just always there. Like they're always there because they need their cup filled by you all the time. And it is exhausting. It is the most exhausting thing. But um, I don't, I don't think it's an easy thing to break away from because I know with in the codependency group going through the book, it's like you read these scenarios and situations and you realize what codependency is and boundaries, like how to set boundaries. That is so hard for me. It is so hard. I would rather just cut you off and never see you again than have a real grown up conversation. Hey, and that's a boundary. <laughs> that's a That's where it starts. Sometimes you have to start with that hard brick wall Mm -hmm. and a cut off and then maybe tiptoe back into a little bit of exactly building intimacy and that's one thing about boundaries that I had to realize having a codependent um makeup Mm -hmm. right that was my that was my old programming right right being reprogrammed and reparented now yeah lord yes so he has to I have to let him teach me yeah so it it came with you know completely um, stopping every one of my codependent relationships. Right. And Is that what you did? I did. Yeah. I, I, when he showed me, and it was a like a punch in the face. It was a mirror that just smacked mm. me right in the face. And was and God told me it was death for me. Death. I cannot cling to him and another human being. I I can have. That's like so uh, hard he to hear right me, now. He can teach <laughs> for me. me. How to have a healthy relationship, which is his will for me to mm-hmm. have healthy relationships. He wants us interdependent, not codependent. Codependent, it puts people as idols in our lives. It's what it does. It's idol worship. Yeah. But it's in human form. It's idol right. worship. It's the same as me worshiping a celebrity, but that person yes. is here every day <laughs> sucking the life out of me. Right. And I'm sucking my life from them. And it's yeah. just, it's it's not good no and it takes away from god's worship right and so um when he showed me that that it was death it was spiritual death for me i i'm like this is serious i can't i'm done i'm you know i'm gonna i'm gonna close myself up just with you and you have to show me how you want me to re-enter socialize society yeah i couldn't i I, get it still paranoid to you know to put it lightly i'm I'm still like i won't if there's a just a hint of codependency there i'm like we have to have a talk you know because dang girl good for you i get get to have grown-up talks today which is super uncomfortable because it's not what i was used to doing nobody had hard talks with me right i have safe people today that i i get to be trained in how to do that so God is good, but he's, yeah, he's taught me how to build intimacy slowly, slowly Mm. let someone see, not just, oh, we have this and this in common. Yeah, we're besties. You feel your spirits just like high five each other and you're like, let's go. (laughs) That is not, that is like a very immature codependent look at relationships and that's not what, you know, that's no. That's but broken people are high-fiving. There's everywhere. We're all our doing it. Like, I yeah, know. Your trauma loves my trauma. Yeah. Like, yeah Some of our trauma traumas mesh together. well. Yeah. That's scary. It is. You know what happens broken in those situations? Broken but healing yes. attracts healing. I was just going to say, if, if you have two broken people who aren't willing to do anything with the brokenness, it's a recipe for disaster. It Nothing's going to change. It is. Yeah. 
I, you know, I have a relationship now with my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. I, I was able to talk to him not too long ago, and it is the most healthy. It was the most healthy conversation me and him have ever had. That is we insane. We were married almost five years. Wow. And, um, it, it would have ended in murder-suicide. I'm 100% mm. uh, convinced. One right. of us was going to die, if not both of us. Right. And God intervened in a, in a huge way. He just, that's not going to happen. Something's got something's to stop. Right. And so... But now, me and him are the most healthiest we have ever been. So and he did a good work in he, himself, too, though. And God did a work in him yes, for it to get so, here. So make that clear to people. Like, he, he's yes. not just... <laughs> yeah. He's, he's not just... He's healthy. He's healthier. Yeah. I can't yeah. speak for the condition of his soul, right. right? But he's in a place where he can forgive me for all my part, right? Mm-hmm. He's wa- working his steps. Um, and he can honestly say that that all of it because he was so angry and enraged and mm. very much betrayed by me getting hurt right because mm. I I set that that up that way I don't have right. limits he married me knowing I didn't have limits right he counted on me taking care of stuff while he gets to play right and so I betrayed him by getting hurt and changing the foundation. Mm. You know, when I started getting delivered, everything changed. Right. There was boundaries all of a sudden, and, and he had to look at stuff that he wasn't okay looking at. And so he was very, very angry and unforgiving and bitter. And so, um, which just added to other bitterness and unforgiveness he already right. had. But um, now he's actually working on his trauma, and he looks at it as if, that all of that was necessary. He's like, don't, he told me, don't, because uh, I got to make an amends to him. And he told me, don't regret anything. It, it, you know, we're f- completely forgiven. He's like, I'm not going to make my amends yet, but you're going to be on my list. But I'm only on step two and I got to do it with my sponsor. But good for him. The, I was shocked. I was so, wow. praise God, because I didn't. Think, I know I'm convinced all that was necessary. Mm-hmm. It had to happen mm-hmm. um, that way. That last relationship um, changed things. It flipped, right. you know, tables. So, mm-hmm. um, not that God wants people to get divorced at all. I'm not advocating that. At oh, all. I know that. Yeah, um, right. That was used to change both of us in such yeah, a deep look way. At that. I mean, it's amazing. Right. Neither one of us have bitterness and hatred toward each other, and that's the first time. For both parties, that a, a, a relationship ended like that, and there wasn't like, I hate you, like it's all. And I never, and I never want to see you again. Yeah, yeah, there was a healing dead. there, yeah, right, yeah. which doesn't normally happen. No, and no. there's no bitterness, like right. Yeah, it's amazing. That's beautiful. So, what does life look like right now? Because I know you have special work that you do, and I do. all kind. Well, you do all kinds of stuff. God's so good. You know, he, he. Uh, I asked him when I, when I told him, you know, it's all yours. Like, this life you've given me, it's it's yours. Like, mm-hmm. I want you. I don't know what else to do. I'll just worship you all day if that's what you want me to do is just sit at your feet and admire and speak lovingly and <laughs> adore you all day. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do that. But God's like, no, you got work to do. So, <laughs> and I, I like to work. I've been a worker, you know, my whole life. So um, after he started healing my body, um, along with, you know, the in, inward part, he healed me from the inside out kind of, um, but he... He filled my schedule. He fills my schedule with a lot of amazing stuff. I, I get to um, 
be a leader in a, a food ministry, Agape Love. Um, we serve the homeless once a week at um, Gravity Church on Mondays between 9 and 12. And um, we serve um, around 100 people um, every Monday. And then we do special events. We just did the encounter, uh, Jesus in the city at, at the waterfront on, um, in Stockton. Oh, that's we did awesome. That last Saturday. And How was, was it? Thousands of people there. It was so beautiful. There was probably like 20 different ministries that came together in unity to just love on the lost in the community mm. and, and pray and worship God and usher in this the presence of the Lord to, to come and make changes that need to, you know, be made in the city of Stockton. It was, it's just beautiful. I get to be, um, uh, in leadership at CR. I get to, um, co-facilitate the, co the amazing codependency mm. class that you, you've got rolling for us. Um, I, love which it. I love that class. And I'm still learning so much from that. I'm coming back. I'm not coming good. back as we're, the leader. I'm coming like back as the guest. The book, dude. It's that book so is good. amazing. It's so good. The I, best. Get, I get stuff from it every day. It's so good. It's so practical. <coughs> like anybody can relate I to can it. I apply it every day. I know. It's I amazing. I apply it to every relationship. Everything, I know. All the time. I know. I get to work for, um, the Lodi Wellness Center. Yeah, that's what be, I wanted you to touch I on. I get to be a um, peer recovery coach mm. and um, work for peer services, which um, I get to partner with other people in their healing journeys and um, whatever that looks like, you know, um, from whether it's mental health struggles or addiction or whatever they're dealing with, they can come and they have someone to talk to that right. you know, understands where they've been and... Um, to empathize and pour into them the wisdom and the love that you know has been poured into me i love that that's beautiful that's good work to do good honorable so godly blessed. beautiful work i wake up every day like i is was that a dream like this is my life <laughs> oh, i is love that life? i feel like one day i'm gonna wake up and it was all a dream i think you worked really hard for it this is the first time in my entire life that i've been single since well three years I've been single for three years and um no no dating no nothing no no but just me and my and dog look at all the growth Jesus this is some good God. advice so, and I don't need <laughs> another person to complete me anymore. exactly I don't I get to have relationships and right relationships with men and women who are safe today mm -hmm. and um I don't have to share myself with anybody and everybody exactly. that has the same brokenness that I have. Exactly. Because now I'm attracted to different, you know, I'm yeah. attracted to heal people. You're attracting other type of people. people. Who have wisdom and a relationship with God that I want to, you know, sharpen me. Right. But yeah, my life is beautiful. I'm super grateful. I'm proud of you. You're a good Thank you. person. Thank you. You're a safe person. Jesus's safe and daughter peaceful <laughs> and you own it man so i love it you share it with everybody thank you is there anything else you'd like to say before we close oh. out <laughs> i feel like i said a whole lot um, oh you said great stuff this is great good questions thank you this yeah good. Oh, i i just pray that somebody um hears uh what they need to hear from this and that you know it gives them hope um especially when it comes to like the trauma stuff yeah there's a lot of people out there that I fully believe, you know, even even when I wrestle with the stuff that I live through, there's some days where I still um, rather, you know, the sexual abuse and stuff, that not be a part of my story. But right. 
I accept that um, God needs healed vessels that he can um, he can use to give hope to others that they can be set free That's right. from the pain and the trauma and that it does not have to define them and that they can go on to live healthy, productive lives. They mm -hmm. don't have to be splintered in their personalities mm. and their, their identities be disassociated from what happened to them and who they are. Right. I can own that this happened to me, but it's not that I, it doesn't define me. You know, the healing now and who I am on the other side of it is what is who I am. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope to share that with others because you know people need need to know. And they there's do. People still being abused today. That's right. There is. There's a lot of people we out there. Just close our eyes and pretend it's not happening. Mm, you know? mm hmm. And a great place for them to come is Celebrate Recovery. Yes. Tuesday nights, 6.30, First Baptist Church in Lodi. And you'll be welcomed no matter how you come. Yes. We're all crazy there, so yes. <laughs> join us. We're all struggling. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me.